0: I want to preach it to you while I still got your attention, before you sit here and listen to too many songs, you get too tired, and uh, don't don't get in too big of a habit of that, but I want you to take your Bibles this morning, the book of Luke, Luke and the 10th chapter, and uh, I want to uh, invite you and ask you, if you will, to stand with me for a minute, Luke chapter number 10. Hadn't the Lord been wonderful to us? I bless his name. Thank you again for being here. I hope you'll be back tonight. Tonight, Lord willing, we'll have the Lord's Supper this evening. It's the first Sunday night. As the Lord directed our hearts this year, on the first Sunday night of the the month, to have the Lord's Supper. And uh, we'll do that this evening. Excited about that. God always meets with us when we do that and that'll be tonight, and, and maybe have a testimony service as well. Just brag on the Lord for a little while, and we'll see what He does. But I hope you'll plan on being here. Uh, if you're a member here, I hope you'll make a special effort to be here uh, and, and take of the Lord's Supper with the body of Christ that you belong to. And if you're visiting, uh, I'll leave that up to you. If you want to come back, we'd love to have you. If you're, if you're saved and you... Uh, uh, would would want to do that, we will do that And uh, so that'll be tonight at, at, uh, at 6 o'clock uh, We're in the book of Luke this morning in the 10th chapter I've uh, preached out of this text in recent days And I've taken a thought uh, that the Lord gave me As I've gone out on the road preaching different meetings and Revivals and churches uh, And I've preached uh, on this Samaritan As a type of the Lord Jesus Christ and I believe that he is this morning. I want, I want to take a little bit of time. The majority of the message this morning will be the introduction. Uh, the message that I'm going to give you won't take but just 10 minutes to give it to you. The, most of the preaching will come through the opening and the introduction of the message. And so if you'll bear with me this morning, I would appreciate it. Luke chapter 10 uh, and verse number 30. We'll read three or four verses tonight or this morning out of Luke chapter 10. And I want to invite you to pray for me, if you will. I'm leaving uh, Monday morning, tomorrow morning early, headed to South Florida preaching this week. And I, I want you to pray that God will help us and help me as I travel, please. Luke chapter 10, verse number 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But aren't you glad when God butts into your life? When no one else could help you but God but a certain samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him he had compassion on him that's, that's that's where we'll stop reading this morning lord would you help us now or give me slow me down enough god where i can i can give this to your people in a way that we can receive it god don't let me get ahead of myself i pray God, if I just need to talk to folks this morning, I'd rather do that than, than get too ahead of myself. God, help me to preach this morning. Lord, give me that effectual fervency, God. Give me that unction. Uh, Lord, give me the spirit of Christ to help me. Oh, God, I pray. Lord, thank you for the word of God. Lord, speak to our hearts. Lord, you know what we need this morning. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, I, I want to, by way of introduction, I want to introduce you to uh, three, or excuse me, four characters, or four individuals, or four people that represent other people uh, in the Book of Luke, chapter ten, the verses that we've read this morning. Uh, I, I want to, I want to introduce you to them, say a few words about them, just by way of introduction this morning. Uh, But before I do that, I I want to give you some context to the story. Uh, Most of my life, I guess, as I've read the story of the Good Samaritan, I had the idea that it was Jesus' way of teaching us to be kind to our neighbor. Uh, and how many of you this morning believe that you ought to be kind to your neighbor? If, With all possible, you ought to do the very best you can to be kind to your neighbor, whether it's your neighbor who lives across the street from you, your neighbor who's a part of your family, your neighbor who's sitting at the other end of the couch with you, or your neighbor sitting on the pew with you. Now, I believe this morning we ought to be kind uh, to our neighbor. And I believe Jesus teaches that. But Luke chapter 10, is, that is not the message of the good Samaritan. As a matter of fact, if you read this whole entire story in its context, the message of Luke chapter 10 is that Jesus is preaching to his disciples and to his followers and they've gathered around him. He's teaching them the wonderful words of life and boy, don't he have wonderful words of life this morning. Jesus is preaching to them and while he does, a Jewish man who is highly offended that Jesus is messing up his religious system. He comes to Jesus and he's a lawyer. He's not a a lawyer like we see the advertisements on television, call 1-800, you know the names, and, and you know the jingles, and you know the tunes that go along with that, but he's a lawyer in that he is a student of the law. He has studied the law of God and he knows it, and he knows more than just the 12, or just the 10 commandments rather, but he knows knows the 600 some odd commandments that have come later, some of them through the hand of God, some of them men have attached to that and expounded upon law after law after law, and he knows all of them, he knows the customs, he knows the traditions, And Jesus is upsetting his religious system. And I've got news for you this morning, Jesus will upset your religious system. Jesus upsets his religious world and the Bible said that he tempting Jesus said, good master, teacher, rabbi, whatever, what must I do to be born again? He tempting Jesus, and the Holy Ghost puts that in your Bible to let you know that he did not have good intentions, he was not trying to have a good conversation with Jesus, but his point was was to make a fool of the Lord Jesus in a public debate, in a public setting, and to make Jesus look to be less than what he was. He thought he knew the Bible. The problem was is he didn't know who he was talking to. You might might can argue your philosophy and your religion with some folks, but you're not gonna have a good chance debating the Lord Jesus when it comes to the Bible. He sets out to debate with Jesus and he says to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, Jesus would have answered him, Uh, honestly and easily uh, had he had good intentions, but he wasn't trying to figure out how to get saved. He was trying to figure out how to prove Jesus wrong. And so the Lord answers him with a question uh, and begins to talk to this young man, this lawyer, and then the Bible tells a story to this man. The Lord Jesus tells a story to this lawyer, uh, and it is the story of a Jewish boy that is much like this lawyer and he's headed down the road, he's on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho and on his way he falls among thieves these thieves rob him, they strip him of everything he's got, they leave him for dead, and they go about their way, and he is hopeless and helpless unless somebody comes to help him. And what Jesus is trying to show that lawyer is that you are that boy, and you have been robbed because the thief cometh. And we know who the thief is this morning. And he cometh but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and, and and he wanted that lawyer to know that there's nothing you can do to inherit eternal life. There's no work that you can perform. What you need to do is realize that you are in need this morning. You are bankrupt this morning. You are robbed this morning. You are dead on your own this morning, but there's one. There's one that'll come by your way. There's one that'll come into your life. There's one and only one that can help you when no one else can help you, and his name's Jesus. That is the point of the story. That is the purpose. Now, no doubt there are other applications, but that is the message. He's teaching this lawyer in spite of all your learning, in spite of all your religion, in spite of all your knowledge, You are in need. And Jesus has come to save you from your need. Uh, It's a beautiful story. I love it. Uh, The Lord's letting me preach this message out, not what I'm preaching this morning, but on the comparison of the Good Samaritan and the Lord Jesus. And there's many comparisons. And if I had time, I'd give those to you this morning. But there is some individuals in our text besides the Samaritan and the Jew, the lawyer, that I've never really given much attention to, never really thought much about them because the Bible just mentions them in passing, but the Bible does mention them. We've we've mentioned one of the four, that's the Samaritan. He's a type of Jesus, and he's come to save. And aren't you glad this morning Jesus has come to save? But not only is there the Samaritan, there's the Jew, and he's... uh, really pictures a lot of you and me just kind of traveling down the road of life going about our business and never intending to get in the great mess that we find ourselves in until one day we realize, you know, I'm kind of helpless. You know, I'm kind of hopeless. And if somebody don't help me, I am in dire uh, trouble. I am in a mess of my own making and I need help. And aren't you glad for the day that you realized that you needed help and Jesus was that helper that came to not just help you, but to save you. there's more characters than that in this story. There's the Levite and the priest. Uh, They are the religious. They're religious leaders, they're religious rulers. Uh, their, Their salvation, if you will, their whole religion is built on this premise that I can do enough, I can work enough, I can be enough, that God will be pleased with me. And as I look at everybody else around me, I compare myself to them, and I am doing pretty good. And as long as I'm better than they are, uh, I am all right. But the problem with that is, is that it's not me you're to compare yourself to. And it's not the people living in your house or sitting on the pew with you, but it's him that we compare ourselves to. And when you compare yourself to me, you might be doing All right, but when you compare yourself to him, you are in trouble this morning because there just ain't no one like him. And so this Levite and this priest, they're in the story, they come by and, they represent the Pharisee, the legalists, and, and we really despise them. You, you, you hear a lot in church movements today, no Pharisees welcome here, no legalists welcome here, no, no none of them mean Christians welcome here. But see, I, I want you to know this morning that Jesus came to save them too. And they need to be saved as much as anybody else needs to be saved, but Jesus came to save them as well. And it's illustrated in the Word of God because we find John three sixteen is written to a legalist it is written to a Pharisee it is written to a religious man who was still going to hell by his own works that were not good enough to get him in to the presence of God and God wrote John three sixteen to Nicodemus to preach to Nicodemus that I don't care how good you think you are Nicodemus you must be born again We find it illustrated in Nicodemus. We find it illustrated in the elder brother. In the prodigal son, in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son come home uh, and there was music and dancing and worship and praise and excitement because that boy who had been out had finally come back and aren't you glad when those who are out come back and we can all rejoice but no one wants to rejoice that also on the same day uh, the father went out on the porch and he talked to the boy who never left but was in just as big of a mess as the boy who had been out in the Pen. See, Jesus is interested in saving the Levite and the priest. And I don't find that in Luke chapter number 10 that he does. But I got enough illustrations in the Bible that I know this much he's willing to. And if that Levite ever got under conviction, if that priest ever got under conviction, God saved them as well. And maybe not everyone here this morning is represented by the legalist, by by the Levite and the priest, but there's some folks in here, you grew up in Sunday school, you grew up in children's church, you grew up under the sound of preaching, and you grew up thinking that you were good because you went to church. And thank God for the day when you Realized that there was nothing I could do to merit salvation. There was no penance. There was no rosary beads. There was nothing that I could do to get in. But it was the grace of God and the grace of God alone that could save you. So if the Levite and the priest represent you, thank God you have some representation in the word of God. But there's another group of characters. And that's the thief. And I'm gonna tell you something this morning. This is what I want to preach on. Jesus has grace for the thieves. I'm not a fan of a thief, how about you? I don't appreciate their theft. Uh, I believe there ought to be laws against theft. Of course, we live in a day and time where we call evil good and good evil. And people are confused about what bad is. I believe you demolish someone's property and you destroy and you take from someone else. I believe it's punishable by law. The Bible teaches that. And though Jesus came to save a thief, he still dealt with the sin of theft. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jesus came to save them thieves. We believe this morning that Jesus came to save that Jew in the ditch because we can all see ourselves there. And we might even believe this morning that Jesus came to save that, 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 that uh, Levite and that priest, that one trying to work their way in. But when we look at the thieves and we think of what they've done, they, they, they've, they've met this man and he was outnumbered. What kind of a coward? We know, I don't know how many were there, but the Bible says that, uh, that he fell among thieves. That makes it plural. We know there was more than one. And so automatically they're cowards because it took more than one. They didn't face him head on. They didn't face him in a duel or a draw. but they, but they, but they met him in a dark place. They met him in a, in a place alone and they beat him and they robbed him and they stripped him of his goods and his garments and they left him for dead as far as they knew. As far as the Bible tells us, they left him dead. I guess it would make them murderous thieves. Though they did not commit murder because he didn't die, they set out with the intent to commit murder. Well, the question then would be, is there grace for the thieves? Is there grace for the thieves? And many would say, well, no, preacher, now, 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 that's just too far. I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus did not just come to save the Jew. Jesus did not just come to save the priest and the Levite, but Jesus came to save the thieves. He came to save the bottom rung of society, the murderer, the adulterer, the thief, the fornicator. He came to save them all. And if you're somewhere up here in religion, if you're somewhere down here in rebellion, or if you're somewhere randomly in the middle, Jesus came to save. You and He's got grace that He'll extend to you. Still in the introduction, enjoying myself though. Are y'all enjoying the walk through the Scripture? There's a lot of things that we don't know about these thieves. I thought as I meditated this week on the text, the Bible calls them thieves and moves on. Said the thieves robbed Him and they. Bible moves on, don't give much description of them. And so I tried to use my imagination, and if you imagine with me for a moment, if you will, the Bible does not tell us the circumstances of these thieves. Not that that matters, because if you're guilty of theft, you're guilty of theft, and the circumstance really doesn't matter, but in, in, in the court of law, but in the court of human opinion, sometimes the circumstances matter a little bit about these thieves. The Bible don't tell us about the circumstances and so maybe they were just pure rotten. Or maybe one of them had a child and it was hungry. Or maybe that was all life that they ever knew. Maybe their father was a thief and their grandfather was a thief and maybe they just were doing what they had been trained to do. Or maybe they had gone to the public school system of, of, of Jerusalem and found out that uh, really uh, they had a right to everything everybody else had. Uh, that's, 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 that's such a, a, a false notion this morning, that I have a right to anything that you have. No matter my race or my region or where I'm from this morning, I have no right to what you have, you have no right to what I have. All of us, all of us, all of us have what we have because of the grace of God. And thank God for the grace of God this morning that has extended that to us. Uh, but I don't know his circumstances, see. I can, in my, in my human compassion, I can look and I can think. Maybe he didn't grow up in a home with a father and a mother Maybe he didn't grow up in a home with a strong dad. Maybe he didn't grow up in a home where somebody had a belt and said, this is not how we behave. Now, being a thief is wrong. You're with me. But the Bible don't talk to us about the circumstance. And so maybe, just maybe, they grew up and dad left when the boy was three and he never knew him. And mom had 15 husbands and they all were coming and going and some of them abused him and some of them were mean to him and and, and, and I don't know the circumstances, see. And not that that matters because they were still guilty, right? I'm not lost, y'all, have I? I thought about uh, how how grateful I am this morning that as messed up as things were in, in my home from time to time that I had a father who taught me some things. Aren't you glad this morning if you had anybody that taught you? Don't do that. Well they had this problem and this problem. I know they may have had a lot of problems but thank God they had a lot of things to write. I, I, I look at folks and it, and it offends me. It really does. I, I am old school to the core. It, it offends me to see men that are fe- feminine. I believe it ought to. I believe the Bible teaches against the feminism in a man. I believe a man ought to be a man. And I believe a lady ought to be a lady. And I believe that to the very core of my heart. And that offends me. But then I have to realize that just maybe they never had a daddy that said, Son, this is what we do. This is how we talk. This is how... We act. Or maybe they did have a daddy and he abused them and beat them their whole life and other things. And so they grow up resentful, they grow up angry, and they grow up with the mindset that everybody owes me something because I'm a victim. Can I make an input right here? And I want you to hear me this morning. Jesus didn't come to save you to keep you a victim. Jesus came to save you to get you out of being a victim. You don't have to be a victim because we have victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Is anybody glad for the day that victory entered into your life? That Jesus came to give you victory? Not a victim. Ah. I thought, as I imagined and meditated on this text, I thought about not only the circumstances but the companions of these thieves. We know there was more than one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four. I personally think probably three and I'll tell you why in a minute. Maybe two, but probably three. Uh, Maybe one of them was an older brother with some influence. Maybe one of them was, they were friends from high school, friends from elementary school, grew up in the same neighborhood together. And they didn't ever mean to get that far out, but they were just having a good time, and then their good time became costly. And then they had no way of affording their good time, and so then they had to find another way to take care of their good time. And so here they are, and their companions, maybe maybe one of them, you know, they just kind of fell in this group because they didn't really have, you know, we don't deal with that a whole lot out here in the country, but you think about, and we got all the answers, and I believe the Bible does have the answers. I really do. I, I believe this morning that if the United States of America would once again operate on Bible principles and practice Bible principles, I believe we could fix our inner city problems. I believe we could fix our country problems. I believe we could fix our home problems. I believe we could fix all of them just by simply applying the principles of the word of God but here they are they living in the city and crying all around them and really no leadership and maybe one of these older boys comes by who maybe a younger one says you know I, I really think he's a pretty cool guy and don't realize what he's getting into until he's in too deep that he can't get out so his companions, possibly, I thought about as I thought about that. There was a day that uh, Amnon set his eyes on Tamar, um, and he 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 lusted after her, but he wasn't willing to do anything. But the Bible said Amnon had a friend, and Amnon's friend come by and said, "Amnon, I'll tell you what you do." And he talked him into an awful sin rape against Tamar a friend did that I'll be honest with you this morning I have been the friend on the wrong end talking people into the wrong thing and I have been the friend on the lesser end getting talked into the wrong thing Friends, companions have influence and maybe these boys didn't mean to get in this trouble but they worked each other up and they were too young maybe even to realize how bad the consequences were. Maybe they thought we're just going to get a little bit of money and they didn't realize this boy was going fight, to fight back and he, and he fought back and they had to fight him and, and and I don't know all of this. I'm just imagining in my mind and now here they've, they they leave thinking we've killed the man and they now you've got to run, you know. Is anybody with me on this? I, I don't know, I'm just imagining. I'm in the introduction of my thought and I'll get to the message in a moment and I'll be done. But I'm imagining uh, their circumstances. I'm imagining their companions. As we think about these thieves this morning, I'm imagining this morning, as I think about these thieves, their conscience. Because I believe every man's got one. Some, they're seared. The Bible talks about the conscience being seared with a rod of iron. It just get beyond the point of caring. Be careful this morning that you don't allow things in your life that bring you beyond the point of caring. Because there's no end in sight for what you will do. I believe America's there this morning, nearly. And I don't want to be grotesque or vulgar. But when they promote and 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 say it's women's rights, it's women's rights, it's women's rights, it's women's rights, and, and none of it is, is any person's right to take the life of another, but when they declare it's women's rights, it's women's rights, it's women's rights, and they take that all the way even to partial birth or to full term, and, and I did not realize this until recently, that they, in order to execute that baby, they have to dismember that baby body part by body part while it's alive. And if you can come to that point where you say that that's a right of anybody, you are seared in your conscience. And I make no no qualms about that. You say, I don't agree with you. I could care less if you, I don't even, we're not even on the same page. I'm not even debating you. Uh, But let's imagine these boys still have a conscience. You got into trouble and you didn't mean to and now you've got to go home. Oh, have you ever gone home having done something that you shouldn't have? And when you get home, I don't know if it's the Holy Ghost or your conscience or both goes to work on you and says, What have you done? What have you done? And these boys are, are, I mean, we see their circumstances possibly, we see their their companions possibly, but now we've got to at least uh, investigate or consider that they have a conscience. I don't know how long they've lived with this great sin that they have committed. But what I know about sin, it's just like a lie, it it, it multiplies you got to lie to cover up another lie and you got to cover up another lie with another lie and it turns into a web of lies. And it's the same way with sin. Sin uh, multiplies and, and, and the hardness of your heart gets harder and the bitterness of your spirit gets worse and, and it is compounding and, and you're not you don't know how to deal with it, you don't want to deal with it and you just want it to go away. But how many of you know this morning it just don't go away? Can't sleep at night. I'm thoroughly convinced. I'm hitting a whole lot of hot topics this morning, ain't I? I'm thoroughly convinced. And listen to me when I say this. Not all, not all, not all. But a whole lot of our sleepless nights and a whole lot of our depressive moods and a whole lot of our our irritability and our pills that we need to motivate ourselves to get through the day. A whole lot of that is due to our conscience not being able to live with our past. I said, not all, but a lot. Because even if you don't know Jesus, meaning you don't have the Spirit of God living in you, to talk to you, God in his foreknowledge equipped you with a conscience that will talk to you. These boys are laid down by the fire to go to bed at night. And toss and turn. And one of them say, did we kill him? What if there is a God and we have to answer to God one day? What if, what, if that, what if that priest that preached, what if that prophet, what if that book... What, what if Isaiah was right when Isaiah said that he would come? What, what if Genesis is right? In the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Are we going to have to meet him one day? Oh, there, conscience. Wait on. I, I them. Don't, I don't have any problem believing that this morning. And then I thought, and we're still in the introduction, and I'm hurrying along. About their catching. Bible does not tell us that they ever got caught, but here's what we all know about sin. Be sure it will what? Find you out, catch you. Be sure your sin will find you out. It will catch you. And I believe that they all lived looking over their shoulder. Can I tell you something this morning? Jesus can save you and he can so cleanse your life that he can remove the looking over your shoulder habit out of your life. You've lived your life looking over your shoulder. You've lived your life. I I am not afraid of the police. If you, if you, if you, I mean, if you're, if you're living according to the law, and I'm not a perfect man, I'm not trying to brag on me, I remember there was a time that I was afraid of, not a very long time, but a small time in my life, and it was only the grace of God that's still not that way today, and I remember a small time in my life where the life I was living, I was afraid of them. I didn't have to look over my shoulder when I come out of the driveway this morning. Hallelujah. I didn't have to look over my shoulder when I come in here this morning. God can can so change your life that you don't have to look behind you everywhere you go. Young people, God can so sanctify your life that you don't have to spend it looking behind you over your shoulder all your life. Don't let companions talk you into what you don't want to do and what your conscience and the Spirit of God is telling you not to do. And that goes for adults. But one day, maybe they got caught. I don't know. But they had to answer. But I'm going to tell you this one thing this morning Then I'm going to give you my message and I'm going to be done. Whether they ever got caught in this life, there was a day that they got caught whether they ever answered in this life for their sin, there was a day that they stood before God. And there's coming a day that they'll stand before God because he is the judge of all the earth. And I promise you this much, you'd rather stand before any judge down here than you would the judge of all of the earth because he's always right and he knows all all you ever did. That's just what the Bible don't tell us. But it's interesting, the possibilities. But here's what the Bible does teach us about a thief. God has grace for a thief. I want to give you three areas quickly this morning and be done where I see Jesus has grace for a thief. I want you to take your Bibles with me this morning. I want you to flip in the same book and I want you to go to Luke chapter 23. Just a few chapters over, the same book. A few chapters over. Verse number 39, chapter number 23. Y'all still with me this morning? Verse 29, I'm sorry, chapter 23, verse 39. The Bible said, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Now, Matthew's gospel teaches us that the two men on either side of the Lord Jesus were what? Thieves. When you come to the cross of Calvary in the same book, the sinner's book, the book of Luke is filled with more sinners than any other book of your Bible. It is story after story after story of Jesus saving a sinner, saving a religious sinner, saving a rebellious sinner, saving every sinner. When you come to Luke chapter 23, you're at the cross of Calvary and there are two gentlemen, one on either side of the Lord Jesus. The Bible tells us in Matthew that they're thieves. As a matter of fact, there was another thief. His name was Barabbas and he was also a murderer. And I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't make up their number. I I, I can't prove this this morning. I can't prove this. But I enjoy believing that these two men on either side of the Lord Jesus and Barabbas very well could have been a, a part of the group that Jesus was talking about in Luke chapter 10 when he said a certain man fell among thieves. I can't prove it was them, but I can prove this one thing. They were represented. A thief was represented at the cross of Calvary in the story of Christ's crucifixion. Jesus made sure they were there which tells me that them thieves in Luke chapter 10, them thieves in Luke chapter 10 that we despise and we ought to despise theft, but those thieves that we wouldn't even consider extending the mercy of Christ to, but those thieves Jesus came to die for, those thieves Jesus came to save, those on the very wrong bottom rung of society, Jesus came to give them grace. Here's where the grace shows up in their life. Three things. Number one, we see grace in the legislation for a thief or in the conviction of a thief. I thought about this as I studied this and meditated on it, riding down the road thinking about it, preaching it to myself, talking to the Lord about it in prayer, that it was the pure grace of God that allowed these boys to get caught. Maybe they're not the same fellows in Luke chapter 10, but they are thieves and they got caught. And they thought the worst thing in the world that could ever happen to them is if they got caught for their theft because the the, the conviction of theft was death by crucifixion, obviously thieves were getting hung, thieves were getting crucified on a Roman cross because of their crime. And if you were a thief, you live with that in the background of your mind, could the day ever come that I'd get caught? If the day ever comes that I do get caught, am I willing to die the death of a a thief on a cross? And that would be the very worst thing that could ever happen that i get caught. And that's what everybody else trying to live in sin is afraid of, getting caught. It's all right as long as I don't get caught. If I get caught, it's a bad day. And so they'll do anything they can to not get caught. They'll lie, they'll swindle, they'll cheat, they'll kill, they'll steal to not get caught. Whatever they gotta do. Don't back them up in a corner. They're like a wild dog. They will bite you just so they don't get caught but they got caught and they've been locked up in shackles and chains and they've been carried down in a basement in a chamber in a Roman dungeon prison and they have awaited their trial and they have stood before the leaders of the Supreme Court system of, or not the Supreme Court but they, before the court system of the, of the nation of Rome and they have stood there and they have heard the arguments against them. They've brought in the eyewitnesses and them boys, thank God, help me the worst day of my life. Life was the day I got called. Never even considering probably I should not have done what I did, but I wish I'd have never got called. If I would have if I would have not been here on this day, if I would have not trusted this friend with this information, I'd have never got called. I can hear them praying. You know how quick people turn religious when they get in trouble? I can hear them bargaining. God, if you're real, if you'll get me out of this, I'll serve you the rest of my life. 99% of the time they are lying. They're just trying to bargain with God. Get me out of this. And I can see them thieves sitting around talking and saying, boys, we messed up, we got caught. This is bad, they're gonna kill us. This is the worst thing that ever happened to us. But I wanna argue with them boys and tell you that the greatest thing that ever happened boys was the day they got caught and the law come down on them and said you are guilty of theft because it was that day that led them to a cross that led them to a meeting with a man named Jesus that could save their lives and then the fact that Jesus busted them and let them get busted He was showing more grace. Somebody said, I believe we ought to be gracious to sin. I believe we ought to be gracious. Let's not uphold the law. No, it is the law that makes every man a sinner. It is the law that shows every man he's a sinner. You say, preacher, is your church a law church? We are a saved by grace church, but we are a church that believes that God has a law, and if that law is brought up, people will realize I am a sinner but we don't get saved by the law. That's when mercy walks in. That's when grace walks in. When you meet yourself according to the book of the law and the law says you're guilty, the law says you're condemned, the law says your judgment is hell. and Jesus walks in and says, but I have come that you might have life oh I'm having fun preaching this morning and that you might have it more abundantly is anybody glad and I know this is going to sound like a trick question but it's not is anybody glad for the day that the gavel of God's justice come down on you hard and he said you're a sinner of the worst sort as a matter of fact you're one on your way to hell but the same moment that the judgment of God come down the grace of God walked in and said but if you'll try Bless Jesus, He will save you from your sin. Amen. Amen. See grace in the legislation of a thief or the conviction. Galatians 3:24, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. I like the song, and I love singing when I preach. I don't know if anybody else loves it, but I do. I'm glad I got lost so I could be saved. If I knew any more, I'd sing it today. (laughs) Hopeless and helpless to hell on my way. I'm just making it up as I go now. But I'm glad I got lost so I could be saved. I don't even know if that's the right tune, but there was grace in the legislation that was stacked against them. And here's the second place quickly this morning. There's lace or there's grace rather, not only in the legislation of a thief, but we see grace in the conversation of a thief. Luke chapter number twenty-three. Verse number 39, one of the malefactors which were hanging railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Still trying to save his own skin, but not willing to admit what he is. But the other, verse 40, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him. I want to read that unto you again. And Jesus said unto him. Here's how we think it ought to read. Don't you talk to me, you thief. There's no hope for you. If you were going to do anything, you'd have done it back yonder. You'd have fixed it and quit being a thief. But you're on a cross and you're about to die. And I don't believe in none of that graveside or that bedside religion. We don't, we don't practice that jailhouse religion around here. It's too late for you, thief. That's how we would read it. But here's how the Holy Ghost wrote it. And here's how Jesus said it. And Jesus said unto him, <laughs> Ooh, Verily, I say unto thee. That that means I'm going to put some oomph in what I'm about to say. Everything that's about to come after what I'm about to say is backed up by all of my authority as the Son of God.
1: Verily.
0: When Jesus says verily, you better listen. Verily, I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. It was grace in the law, grace in the legislation, but it was grace in the conversation that Jesus would talk to that thief. Jesus didn't owe him a thing. That man didn't deserve a thing. Jesus didn't owe him a handout. Jesus didn't owe him grace, compassion, or he didn't owe him heaven or anything. That man had not deserved it, and neither had you and I. But Jesus saw his faith. Jesus heard his prayer and Jesus said I'll talk to you and I'm so glad thank God he didn't owe me anything he didn't owe me any words he didn't owe talking to me all I was deserving of was hell and death but Jesus was willing to talk to me on that night I come to him by faith and when I cried out to him he answered me I said Lord save me a sinner and he said I will There's grace in the conversation of a thief. I feel like the thief this morning. He talked to me. And I was so unworthy. Here's the last thing this morning and I'm done. Not only is there grace in the conversation of a thief, there's grace in the legislation of a thief. But we see there's grace in the transformation of a thief. Now the Bible says he was a thief. So if we had no other evidence, we'd know that much. And again, I can't prove that they're the same thieves of Luke chapter 10, but I enjoy believing that they are. But if they're not, those boys were represented by these boys. And those boys heard, Hey, Jesus saves thieves too. That woman at the well was an adulterer but when she went back home and said come see a man that told me all things whatsoever I did somebody said I don't know but I heard this Jesus fellow he saves adulterers too he saves murderers he saves blasphemers he saves oh are y'all hearing me and he don't save you to leave you a murderer he don't save you to leave you a blasphemer he don't save you to leave you a thief he saves you to transform your life and get you out of that business he can do that he can do it. Oh, he can. We see grace in the transformation of a thief. I'm going to tell you this evening. Jesus, I, I want you to listen to this. I'm going to read you two verses and be done. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Isn't that wonderful? But I got a problem. I got a problem. Now, not with the Bible, but I got a problem. And I'm going to have to get some help with my problem. I've got Galatians 5 in my Bible. Here's what it says. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these: adultery. It said if your flesh, here's what it'll produce: adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings. You know what envy means? To see somebody who's got something and you want it. Do you know that's what makes a thief? Envyings, murders. These boys attempted murder. Drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you also, time pass that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God the Lord Jesus through the spirit of God and the pen of the apostle Paul in Galatians 5 said that a thief cannot inherit the kingdom of God now how did Jesus say to this boy today thou shalt be with me in paradise I I got another verse for him I'm just telling you I got a problem I'm nearly done preaching I've got y'all With a problem now, I can tell. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate. See, that's why we believe men ought to be men, because man's not supposed to be effeminate according to the word of God. It's a sin. It's a sin. Train up your boys to be men. If they they act like they're not acting like men, sit down as a father and talk to them and say, hey, let's let's be more manly in this. Let them be children, but don't let them be effeminate. We're not promoting sin. Nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Now maybe when you read Galatians, you could say, preacher, that envying was a stretch. I'm not sure that's a thief. Here's what what 1 Corinthians 6 verse 10 says, nor thieves, pretty sure that's pretty plain, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Said you're not getting in if you're a thief. You're not coming if you're a thief. Galatians said if you're full of envies, you're not getting in. But Paul said in 1 Corinthians uh, verse, chapter 6, if you're a thief, you can't come in. But Jesus looked at that boy who was the thief and convicted of it in the court of law and said, come on in. He did not to the other, but he did to this one. How did he do that? I guess the only thing is Jesus had to so transform that boy. He may have been a thief his whole life, but the moment, I'm thinking of a verse. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, I guess that means a thief. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That boy said, I deserve what I'm getting, I'm a thief. Jesus, will you remember me? Jesus, will you save me? And Jesus said, yeah, boy. I believe he called him by name because you can't call him a thief anymore because that's old things passed away. That's not what he used to be. And he didn't have a long time to live. But I believe this much. The day, the moment, the hour, the minute when Jesus saved him, who he was was transformed to who he is. Jesus said, now thieves can't come in. But Calvary fix that. Come on in. Come on in. Oh, if that boy would have lived another day, I don't believe he'd have stolen another thing. If that boy would have lived another day, I don't believe he'd have been a thief no more by action, but he didn't have that privilege. But Jesus can take you on your last day and save you from who you were. Jesus can take you today, and that may be how you've been known, but he can save you so good today that he changes who you are right now and tomorrow and in the future. You read 1 Corinthians 6, all of us are in trouble if we're trying to get in on our own. But one night I came to Calvary, and he saved me, and I am not what I once was. I'm no longer a thief, I'm no longer any of those things. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You can play. We see grace in the transformation that God would take that boy who deserved everything coming to him and say, I'll make you new. I'll make you different. I'll I'll cleanse your record, past, present, and future. I'll change who you are. One of these days, only because of grace, all of us that are saved are gonna enter into his presence. And he's not gonna say, now what did you do to get here? And what did you do to get here? But we're all gonna thank him. And we're gonna say, Look what you did to get us here. Look what he did. That's what we're trying to say this morning. Look what he did to get us here. Jesus can change you. Would you stand with me all over the building this morning? Jesus wants to save you. Jesus can change you. If he's done that for you, Would you come find a place in this altar this morning thank Him that you transformed my life and I'm not what I used to be. I'm not what I once was. I'm not who I once was. Would you do that? People's coming all over the building. Thank you. She's going to sing this morning. We're going to pray right where you are. You can remain standing or you can have a seat or you can bow your head. You do what you need to do. But let's pray, let's thank the Lord this morning that I'm saved and I'm no longer who I was.